This is The Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to The Jason Jones Show. And today, we're going to take a break from the very serious topic of the corona pandemic, and we're going to give you some practical information that you can use to lighten your load. Today, I am going to be joined by Alexis Walkenstein, who is my dear friend and an Emmy Award-winning journalist. She's a film industry insider who has worked on movies like Soul Surfer, October Baby, Of Gods and Men, The Way, For Greater Glory, Mighty Max, Little Boy, The Young Messiah, Ben-Hur, The Shack, Unbroken, Unplanned, Paul, Apostle of Christ, Molly, pretty much all of my favorite movies. I could have just said that. She worked on all of my favorite movies. So Alexis and I are going to break down the movies that we think you need to watch during this corona pandemic when you're being quarantined. And I can tell you, I've watched all these movies, but I'm going to watch them again. So, oh, and this episode has been brought to you by Movie to Movement, promoting a culture of life, love, and beauty through film. And we rarely talk about film, even though we're sponsored by Movie to Movement. So today it all makes sense. So sit back, open up a can of beans. Now you still have perishable food in your refrigerator. Eat that perishable food. It's the Jason Jones Show. Aloha, Alexis Walkenstein, Hollywood Insider. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Hey. You don't sound excited. I sound more excited than you. I'm very low ebb. This quarantine situation has me very calm. Can we try it again? Hold on a second. I'm going to try again. Yes. Aloha, Alexis Walkenstein. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Yo, how are you? Uh, still, you know we're going to keep them both. We're going to keep them both. D- d- both are good. Is it the noise level or my enthusiasm? No, I don't know. I think it's your enthusiasm. Really? Okay, all right. Give me third time to charm. All right, we're going to try it a third time. Mark, you're not editing this. We're using all three. Okay, ready? Here we go. <laughs> We're using all three. Right here we go. <laughs> Aloha, Alexis Walkenstein, Hollywood Insider. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Whoa, I'm finally on the Jason Jones Show. I can't believe it. Yeah, you know, payola works. Little kickback. <laughs> all it took was a little kickback. Yeah, you owe me. You owe me, baby. See, hey, that's what I like. See, you got to smile. See, people are freaking out right now. So when I used to help refinance people's homes and at the phone bank as a, you know, as a young kid, that was my job. And uh, my yeah. boss said, smile through your voice. These people are really in a stressful situation. So you have That's to be like, right. we have to bring it. Hi, you only have $60,000 in credit card debt. Well, we can hook you up with a home finance. You know, what is it? Home equity loan. We got something for you, but you had to Thank do it with a smile. Yeah. So the, the purpose of this show is to look on the bright side of a global pandemic. We have to look at the yeah. bright side. I just did a couple of depressing shows. And so now <laughs> we're going to look at the bright side of this global pandemic. And I think it is quite fortunate. I don't know if you're going to agree with me, 
But I think it is quite fortunate that this pandemic, and I am being quarantined for exposure, so it's not that I don't take this serious. <laughs> and I've been coughing up all day, and I don't get coughs. My wife's like, oh, my gosh, you do have it. Who knows? We'll know. No, you don't have it. No, we don't have it. We don't. We don't. I reject that. We reject that. We rebuke that. that. Okay. But if I do, you know, we're going to keep going. But here's the deal. This thing, last year was the best year in Hollywood history. And this show was was sponsored by Movie to Movement. So it was the best year in Hollywood history. Honestly. Movies galore. Movies galore. Would you agree with that? Or would you like say 1994? People are saying, eh, it's the second best year. No, I thought. I thought it was a good year. I mean, for me, a good year is when I have time to watch someone else's movies. I'm so busy on my own movie projects, but I finally caught up to most of them, and it was pretty exciting. I mean, you know, you think so, too. Are you kidding me? I just was amazed. I mean, there are things that I will tell people I watched that I loved, and there's things that I won't Mm -hmm. tell people I watched that I loved. Right. Like The Godfather of Harlem. I would never tell people that. But The Godfather well, of Harlem, I binge-watched it like in three days as I was traveling. I did not see The Godfather of Harlem. I missed that one. Yeah. That one blew off my front Yeah, board. it's probably not for my tribe, but I thought it was amazing. So, but, that, but that's not a movie. But the movies. So I think we should each give four movies. I'm going to limit okay. myself to last year. But I will yep. let you choose from all of Hollywood history. That way you can choose oh Bella, God. The Stoning of Soraya M., you know, movies like that. But okay, all right. So, do you want to go first, or should we just you say our first. lists? I, okay, I'm going to say my whole four lists. Okay. And by the way, they're perfect for the present situation, and I'm going to explain it. Okay. Perfect for the present. I might have some of the same ones that you have. I mean, what do we do if we have similar? Well, that's you know, great. Our so, okay, I'm going to name my four, and then you can pick. If if one of these four is on your list, then we're going to talk about them. Okay. Okay. Very good. So the one you need to watch first. Because it's going to warm your heart. And it's so unique. It is Jojo Rabbit. Written and directed by Taika Waititi. Half Maori, half Jewish. And you can it's got that sweet, gentle Maori sense of humor in a big, beautiful film about the Holocaust and about the Nazis. And it's unbelievable. Nobody could have... That's on my quarantine list. Okay, that's on your... Okay, so... Quarantine. Everybody who has not seen Jojo Rabbit... That's on your quarantine list. Right. Okay, so let me name all four, and then we can pick which one you want to talk about first. So my four, Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then number two, Contagion. Not Contagion. Contagion. What am I saying, Contagion? Why did I say Contagion? I didn't mean Contagion. (laughs) I think I know what you're going to say. I meant Parasite. Parasite. I thought Parasite. We must talk about Parasite. So Parasite, was that on your list too? That's on my list. Okay, so. We... You hadn't seen the whole thing, and we only could talk about it a little bit, so I can't wait to talk about Parasite. No, you're the reason I watched it, because Hollywood loved mm-hmm. it. And I thought, mm-hmm. this movie's going to be horrible, because the way they were fawning and over it. I just said, it's going to be horrible. And then you said, you got to watch it. interesting. Very interesting. Oh, some love- people will love it. Some people will hate it. Well, when I tell you why you should love it, you're gonna, they're going to love it. Mm-hmm. I, think, mm-hmm. I think most people miss the point of it, like Hollywood missed the point of it. Hollywood loved it because they missed the point of it. And maybe some, right. some sensible folks will go, eh, because they miss. So, so um, right. Parasite, Parasite, Jojo Rabbit, number Parasite. three, which really I would have probably said first, but it's so. I know, I know ha- what it is. Okay, guess. <laughs> I had mine. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's on my list. So it was my favorite you. movie of the year. 
probably. Yeah. I mean, Jojo Rabbit and Hidden Life are so different. But the reason I put a Hidden Life number three is I don't know if people need to watch that right now. <laughs> I mean, I think you do need to right. watch it. Give well, it a- I think it, we are all living in a hidden life right now. Hello. Yes. Yes. We. This is the hidden life of 2020. A hidden life was perfect for us, what we're going through right now. Perfect. And then the, yeah. the fourth one you'll never guess. I'm going to give you five guesses. Oh, uh, let's see. Let's and it's from see. last year. Yeah, I'll give you one guess. <sighs> from last year. Let me guess. Unplanned? No, not unplanned. Nope. Not, not for the quarantine. That's a little heavy. That's heavy for quarantine. Not for the quarantine. That's for Well, October. mine, I'll give you a hint on one of mine that maybe is one of yours. But okay. It's, it's hilarious. I don't think you saw it yet, though. Knives Out. No, I did see Knives Out. And I love, you know you what? People need out. to watch Knives Out. Truth, that's, that's probably the first quarantine. one they should watch. Yes. It's mine awesome. are, I love with Knives the exception out. of Jojo Rabbit. No, I think Parasite's fun, too. But Knives Out is brilliant and fun. Brilliant. And fun. Yeah, love Knives Out. Okay. No, but I was going to say Richard Jewell. Oh, interesting. And okay. I don't want to go in too in-depth. We'll save that one for last, and I'll tell you why I loved Richard Jewell and why Richard Jewell is on my four movies for your quarantine movie marathon. So which one do you want to start okay. with first? Wait, are we going to do mine? Or oh, are we yeah, go yeah, yeah. Yours? No, no, okay. it's so just I have... about me. It's the Jason Jones show. Yeah, it's because it's all about Jason Jones. Okay, oh, no, oh, so. God. All right, well, okay, I just go. have one to add. So I have Parasite, I have A Hidden Life, I have okay. Knives Out, because we're talking last year. Okay. So those are the three hot ones. Um, and then I'll do a tie. Can I do a tie? Can I do two in a similar category? You sure can. I'll do one from 2020, which is Emma, the new version of Emma, which I think everybody can watch at home. Hilarious, adorable, and one of my oldie but goodie favorites that is a super charming family movie since we're all huddled in with our families. If you have a family unlike me, Return to Me. Return to Me is my fav- one of my favorite movies what? of all time. It's hilarious. What? Bonnie Hunt, Chicago. You what? should love it. Wait, hilarious. no, 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 no. I got to call my wife in here. Return to Me is my favorite movie. <laughs> Shut up. It's my favorite movie. No, it is my, I promise you, Return to Me is my no. favorite movie. Oh, of course I it never is. find anybody with Return to Me as their favorite movie. Return for- to Me is, and by the mm-hmm. way, it creeps me out that it's my favorite movie. Why? Because it's a chick flick? <laughs> well, it has to do with like organ transplants <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it's, when you, such like a wholesome, hilarious, like Belushi, Bonnie Hunt, like what an ensemble cast. No, the Mini cast Driver, is amazing and it's, it, and it, it is beautiful. And I fell in love with Minnie Driver when I watched that movie. I have probably watched yes. Return to Me. Uh, I beat you. <laughs> only one movie I've watched more, and that's Casablanca. Oh, my gosh. So I drive my family crazy because I have to watch Return to Me like 100 times a year. I, it's the only <laughs> one I can watch over and over and over again. And I, Well, we'll talk about it when we talk about it, but there's like one thing that I love. I love it all. There's so much in there, and it's such a great quarantine movie. Okay, I'm going to watch. How you picked Return to Me for your quarantine movie is beyond me, but it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, do you know, I'm going to tell you a funny story, in 2007, so I don't even know what year, what year, what year did that movie come out, in 2007? Uh, yeah, something like around then, right? No, I think much earlier. I was... Um, you think earlier? Let's see, let's see, let's see. Google I'm going to I'm gonna research this while you talk. Okay, well, I talk, and then you're going to research. So here's the story. In 2007, I was National Grassroots... 2000. 2000. So 2000, okay. 2007, I was National Grassroots Director for Sam Brownback, who was mm-hmm. a then-Senator then became governor and now is ambassador at large on religious freedom. But I was his campaign, uh, his grassroots director. So I was stationed in Iowa, in Des Moines, 
and there was this uh, a, an establishment called a video store. It's it's Alexis. Mm-hmm. It's where you used to go to get movies, and then they would sell popcorn and candy at the register. It was great. It was always an adventure <laughs> to go to these things. Yeah. And, and there was a guy there that was a volunteer for me. He worked there, and he was an old guy. And um, I, I'll never forget. I would go there to rent my movies, and then they had like the employee picks for favorite movies. And this old mm-hmm. guy, like you know, the old kind of grizzly Knights of Columbus guy. Yeah, right. Like right. an old salt kind of dude. Yeah, like just an old old guy, like grizzly kind of tough guy who but sure. working at the blockbuster. <laughs> His pick up there was none, of, t- none was, of our listeners remember Blockbuster though, right? Yeah, no. No, I mean I remember it. <laughs> I still I go I still go to Redbox. I think I still owe them owe them movies back. Yeah, you're why they went out of business. So <laughs> this old member of the Knights of Columbus they had his name up there. And his favorite movie was returned to me. So now there are three of us. Wow. Yeah. Maybe that's there's how you got turned on to return to me. Maybe there's a no, no, no. Are you kidding me? I knew about it. I mean, that, I you love, knew about it beforehand. I loved okay. the movie before. I was shocked that I wasn't yeah. the only Knight of Columbus that loved Return to Me. <laughs> I love it. I love the love. I love the love story. I love the suffering. I love the hilarity. Bonnie Hunt, I think, is a brilliant writer. I wish she would do more. I think she's amazing. Yes, so you got to watch Return to Me. You probably already watched it. If you haven't, shame on you. Shame on you. It's 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 a, a beautiful film. So let's. I want you to start with Knives Out. Why? Oh, Knives Out. So tell us why we need to Knives watch out. Knives Out, Alexis Walker. Knives Out's hilarious. I mean, it it. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, honestly, like I didn't. I hadn't read up too much. I knew it had a fabulous ensemble cast. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis. Don Johnson comes back from the dead and knives out. I mean, he is hilarious. Um, there's like just an, an Daniel Craig from the Bond series, amazing. And it's like a who done it, you know? But it it tells you right away in like the first 15 minutes who did it. So you're kind of like, wait, we're climaxing right now with this. And then it takes this hilarious spin, and it is just so clever. It is a clever little movie, and I like it because it's shot in Massachusetts. I'm from Massachusetts. I'm a Boston girl. So um, it was kind of fun, you know, with that that humor and, and the landscape and, and just a mystery with great timing and a crazy cast. Awesome. All right. So that's the, I think that's probably the first one they should watch. Yeah. You know what? We all need a little bit of levity right now, don't we? I mean, it's, it's corona campy. Yeah, it's Corona corn. Campy, very campy. Um you think it's like going to be over the top and unbelievable. And it's just, it takes you, it takes you in. You got to stay with it though, because the first like 30 minutes, you're kind of like, what? And then it just explodes. You know, it's like a runaway train of humor. Okay. So then now let's go to Jojo rabbit because Jojo rabbit is probably the only film on our list that you can watch with the whole family. Now, some people are thinking I wouldn't let my kids watch it, but I definitely watched it with all I my children. I haven't seen it. So I want to hear about that. I want to hear what? about Jojo rabbit. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. You have not seen Jojo Rabbit? I'll be watching with your listeners. Scandal. With the Jason Jones Show listeners. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I'm... Wait, at what point in my quarantine should I be watching Jojo Rabbit? Right now? Today. Right now. Okay. Today. Today. You should get off the phone right now with me and go watch Jojo Rabbit. (laughs) No, so you know what I loved about Jojo Rabbit so much? First of all, living in Hawaii for 31 years, there's a type of sense of humor that I think is kind of consistent with the Hawaiians and Samoans and the Maori. And the the only way I can describe it is sweet. 
gentle. It's kind. And, um, and Taiko Atiti has that. And then the other thing is uh, what I look to in a film is what Roger Ebert said about films. He called them empathy generating machines. And that's what Jojo hmm. Rabbit does. Jojo Rabbit, a lot like Life is Beautiful, that I think and I also won Best Picture I in 1998. I right, dealt mm-hmm. with the Holocaust. And mm-hmm. that was one of the films that Hollywood loved. And then they thought about it and they felt ashamed of loving it, you know? But I'm mm. not ashamed of loving that film. And and they were there was a bit of a, a, a virtue signaling against Jojo Rabbit, which was just repulsive. Uh, but what I loved about Jojo Rabbit is it is definitely an empathy-generating machine. So I don't want to give away too many plot spoilers, uh, but I don't think it even matters because mm-hmm. – uh, But and when you tell people what the movie's about, they're like, huh? So what is it Scarlett about? Johansson is in the film, yes? Best yet. Yes. Her best performance best yet. yet. Really? Her best okay, performance yet. this is on yet. my hit list. Yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm. here's what I loved about the film, first of all. It's about little boys – who are in the Hitler Youth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Jojo is is weak, and he has an imaginary friend to give him courage, and his imaginary mm-hmm. friend is Adolf Hitler, and mm. Adolf Hitler, it's just brilliant if you get into the mind of Taika, you can see he said, okay, how would a good little German boy, you know, look at the Fuhrer, how would he look at Hitler, how would he see him? You wouldn't see him as evil or wicked. You know, it's the Fuhrer. And imagine how great it would be to be friends with this guy. What a leg wow. up it would be. You'd be the coolest guy in town, right? You'd have, you'd have all the friends. You'd be special. And right. so he's in the Hitler Youth. He goes to this camp, and uh, he gets injured. Uh, but that's where you're introduced to his, his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, played by Taika. So you have a Maori... Jewish man playing Adolf Hitler, and he is amazing. Wow. And that made me, you know, you're in the film business, so I thought, could you imagine this guy who's Hapa Hauli, going, mm-hmm. who's Jewish, going and pitching a film <laughs> and saying, right, I right. would like to write and direct and, and a film about a little boy whose imaginary friend is Hitler. And oh, by but the how way. How do you get this made? I know, you know I'm Mari. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm Mari, but I would, I would be playing Hitler. <laughs> like, okay. Um. And but I think was there I, any controversy around making this movie? Mm, there was nah, but there were these little peons in the press saying, mm-hmm. "I don't know how one could find humor the in the Holocaust." You know, right? Well, you right. know who did Nazis, uh, uh, Holocaust survivors. I remember. Well, the what na- a lesson for us! Not that we're going through a Holocaust here, but you know, like we're going through a time that we've never experienced right now with this coronavirus, and to kind of look at things with new eyes is inter- is an interesting concept, right? Right. Well, there was a book. I got to find the title of this book. It came out in the 90s. It was written by a UCLA professor. And it was about the jokes that concentration camp victims told inside the concentration camps in Germany and Europe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in Poland. Um, and these were some pretty dark jokes. But these were jokes they were telling each other. I won't even repeat them. Mm. Uh, to, as, and they weren't telling these jokes to hurt each other, but to elevate each other. So, so here's this film. It is a definitely an and one of the things uh, one of the critics said in a review that I read is like I can have no sympathy for a boy who's a Nazi, and you're mm. like, you're like he's a boy, mm. he's a boy, and right, so child. so this child gets injured at his little Hitler camp, and he has to go home, and uh, plot twist, 
You know, he's scared of the Jews, and he hears all these wild stories about the Jews. Turns out his mother is hiding a Jewish girl in his house, and she's part of the resistance. Mm. And so wow. now here's the struggle for a, with a boy who adores his mother, has this vision of Adolf Hitler as his best imaginary friend, and there's this beautiful little young woman, young girl, in his house, and they develop a friendship. And as that friendship grows, the character and personality of imaginary Hitler changes. And there are even eruptions of maybe a more realistic vision of Hitler. Wow. But, and, but then in many ways, the film is very campy. And one of the things that I loved, and this is maybe something we can think about in the situation that we're in right now. There's this Nazi officer who, in the final battle scene, it, he, um, there's, he is basically looks like Billy Idol. He's got this costume he's made for himself. <laughs> yeah. And, and then there's a scene at the, near the end of the film. Again, I don't think it's giving anything away where they begin to dance. And it's almost, I, I, I cried when, I, when this happened because it was an evolution of the West in the post-war years. So mm. you, you see seeds in the midst of Berlin, or I believe they were in Berlin, in the midst of Berlin, mm -hmm. at the end of the war, you see little seeds or flourishes of the liberal era to come. And what I mean by the liberal era, I don't mean like left politically in America, American nope, left. Right. I mean right. the sort of Anglo-American idea of liberty, of free markets, of free speech, of religious pluralism. Capitalism, yeah, right. and, and, and even the sort of the art that that produced in music mm -hmm. and dancing and fashion. And so you see these like flourishes. And I didn't ever see anyone comment on this. I should have written a review, but you see the flourishes of fashion and of music mm. and of dance in the post-war years embedded within the horror and tragedy that was World War II. Uh, well, life flows even in the dark. The light comes out of the darkness. And that's, I think, what it a movie like that can remind us of. That's right. And, you know, I was thinking, I was telling my children today, I said, you know, this is going to be a strange couple of months. Mm -hmm. But the, the parties that we're going to have all around the world, the jubilation, when this new liturgical season that we're having here of the whole world is on a sort of Lent. Um, exactly. Imagine the sort of eruption of joy, the cathartic release, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the elevation, the happiness when the nightclubs and the bars and the restaurants and the parks and the gyms and our places of business are filled again. Right. And, and so when you watch Jojo rabbit, you know, um, this, what we're going through right now is quite frustrating and the uncertainty is the hard part, right? Uh, exactly. For me, what's the most frightening is what is this going to do to our economy? And can, mm -hmm. can we, mm -hmm. I mean, how will, what will this recovery look like? And will social order, mm -hmm. to be blunt, if, if, mm -hmm. if this damages the economy, what kind of social unrest can we see? What will That's true. I think there's a, a lot of fears of social unrest and, you know, trouble, trouble when there's this kind of uncertainty because there's fear and when fear creeps in, all kinds of things happen. And that, that's why we have to fight against that. And that's why when you posted on Facebook, what are your items that you're hoarding? <laughs> Do you remember right. what I put? Yeah. 
You had some snide comments. It wasn't snide. I thought it was, they were practical. Right. They were practical. They Grappling were hook, Go Chinese ahead. stars, and smoke yeah. bombs. You know? I got to yeah, be prepared. Smoke bombs. Yeah. They come for me. Yeah, I'm just going to throw a smoke bomb. Yeah. Throw a Chinese star. People have been asking me if I have a gun. I'm like, I don't have a gun. My weapon is my rosary. Thank you very much. I don't need a weapon. But yeah, people get crazy with this kind of stuff. They get crazy. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's crazy or prudent, <laughs> but that's true. And, and, you know, I know I've been telling people the same thing. You, you know? know, we need to be prudent and we need to thing. take responsibility for our own family. And I'm the king of my castle, and I can promise you this castle has an armory. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is this is my family's my responsibility. But again, going back to Jojo Rabbit, what I, I just loved is there's hope in the darkest, and there's some very dark scenes, some very beautiful mm. scenes. All of the actors were amazing. All of them. I mean, the acting. Well, we is- have that this opportunity to be lifted and elevated by movies that can show us, like no matter how dark it gets, there's light, there's, there's new birth, there's rebirth, right? Like it's like when something pulls back like a slingshot and it fires again, it goes further, you know? So like you were talking about the economy, it's kind of frightening, but- you know, our president even said, you know, I think even when we get through this, it's going to bounce back stronger than ever. And that's generally what happens. We retreat to advance. It's kind of a concept that's foreign to our culture. We don't, we don't live in a, in a world that, that knows how to retreat or pause to go even further forward. We're just on constant go. We're like, we're like the G team, you know, the go, the go team. So to have this kind of a, a, an almighty pause for everybody and everything is shocking, but great good can come from it. Yeah, and it's scary, right? But it's but other people have gone through this. Other people have seen world orders collapse around them. Think of that's right. World War One. Think about the the, right. the the Tsar and the Habsburgs and and the Bolsheviks and the Communists, and the Nazis. I mean, you. This is something that people have experienced. But in the Anglo-American political community, going back a thousand years, we've had relatively few disruptions. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about it. So when you think about it. Uh, compared to other places in the world. So for us, it is it is it is a bit uh disconcerting. So that's why you're gonna Very watch Jojo Rabbit. Because Jojo Rabbit. You know the one in line I love um in that era, um I, I know I'm supposed to only have four. Oops. I um I love Zookeeper's Wife. Did you see the movie Zookeeper's Wife? I did Wife? love the Zookeeper's Wife. Oh yes. my goodness. That's a hidden gem that a lot of people don't know about. So it's if you're listening, that's a great film also during the quarantine uh, special showings in your living room, The Keeper's Wife. Okay, and then I'm going to get, okay, we're, we're going on the genre. The other is Sarah's Key. I'm on a tangent. Have you seen Sarah's Key? No, I have not. What? I know. Okay, guys. I'm busy. Sarah's I'm busy Key, I'm not even going to talk <laughs> about it. Sarah's <laughs> Key is unbelievably beautiful unbelievable it's on my list mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna rewatch that so well okay we're up to five each we're up to five movies each we're like this podcast is exploding now <laughs> so okay so and then boy <laughs> i mean we go from like next is like zoolander so we go i thought you were gonna when i heard zoo i was like is she going to zoolander like we went from <laughs> knives we gotta, out we parasite we did we gotta do now parasite. we've got to do parasite now i want to hear why you love it and i'm gonna tell you why i love it well, I, I don't know if I'm characterizing it as I love it. I I definitely, my mind ha- was blown open. I had no idea what to expect. I did not read the reviews. I do this quite frequently unless it's like in my face and I know, you know, the whole thing. I did not expect the last 30 minutes. I don't want to do a whole spoiler alert for, for your listeners, but it blew my mind open. I have been to Seoul, South Korea twice last year. 
So I think it was extra interesting for me. It was an extra juice factor to be able to see this. And you were there, you were there helping getting unplanned distribution in Korea. Yes, I was. And, um, so I feel very connected to the, the people of Korea. So I had watched the awards with them, you know, cleaning house. And I was like, I can't believe I haven't seen this yet, but I was so, so busy with all of my own films that I like, literally I went to Florida for the first couple of weeks of the year with my family and we binge movies. We went out every single night to see, and, and we went to see Parasite and we were like, literally we had no idea what to expect. So I think it's brilliant. I think it's a brilliant um, snapshot of some of the culture. I personally think it's a metaphor for hell. I think that... Um, I disagree, but keep going. You disagree? I do. I think it's a metaphor for hell. I think that it shows... Um, well, I mean, it's, at face value, yes, it's about class. You know, the different... Um, no, don't, I don't classes. give away what I'm about to say. You know what I'm going to... However, I will say <laughs> that I think, I think it shows um, humanity without God and, like, sin begetting sin. One sin opens you to another and another and another and another and another. And I don't want to give the ending away because it will blow your mind, but I think it's brilliant. I think it's a brilliant film. Uh, yeah, so okay. I only watched it because of you and because of Aunt, and Tony, right? Was and it you, Tony. You Tony were, hated it. Tony hated it. Tony hated it. And Tony is, Tony hated it? I think so, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm glad sure. I didn't get that from him. He's a diplomat. <laughs> He's a total He's a diplomat. diplomat. And Tony yes, works, yes. To, let's tell, tell everyone who Tony is. So Tony works for- Family uh, Theater Production, producer of Family Theater. Yeah, he's a producer. It would be against his brain to, to root for Parasite because it, it, it is a pretty dark movie. Okay, I mean, so I don't think film. it's dark, though. Okay, You don't think it's dark? Okay, all right, let's go. Here, okay. let's, let's unravel it. <laughs> okay, so this is what I... So, by the way, I'm watching this film because of you, and so this is my first... The first act, I'm like, why am I watching this movie? Mm. The second act, I'm like, why am I watching this movie? Second act is crazy. And then third act, I'm like, oh. And that was it. That's it all I had. That was it. I didn't have no thoughts, but just, oh. Because it just, yeah. it's one of those films where you don't move. You know, if I, I, you I don't didn't, move. I, if I did, if I know it was in a theater, you just sit there, you know, like, what was that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so as I thought about it, it's not about class warfare. So people are saying it's about hell or class struggle. It's not though, because they're not really warring with each other because of class. It's not class struggle. It's just struggle. It's struggle. Yeah. Well, they don't seem to care what class they're in. They're just going to survive. They're, yes. You know, in my opinion. And and they all have their, both classes have their struggle, right? So there's the ups. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't want to give any plot spoilers, guys, but basically yeah. this because movie takes place upstairs and downstairs, right? And so upstairs downstairs, and downstairs, downstairs is, is hell. <laughs> well, I think downstairs is the, is the working class and the poor and upstairs mm -hmm. is the upper class. And then there's the mm -hmm. stairway. So when I was watching mm -hmm. this movie, I thought, you know, like you, Alexis, we live on the stairway. You know, mm -hmm. one day oh, yeah. I, I live in a working class neighborhood. I'm a working class guy. And then one day I'm at the Chateau Marmont having, you know, drinks with movie stars and going to movie premieres. And then I'm right in the middle of Kansas giving a speech at a pregnancy center at a banquet hall in a rural community. And then the next day I'm in, you know, D.C. at the Trump Tower meeting with politicians. So you and I are up and down those stairs all the time. That's true. And so I thought, That's a good point. well, you think of the film, people are, they just talk about the upstairs and the downstairs, but no one talks about the stairs and there's mm. the stairs. 
So when I was watching, when this film was over, what I walked away with. There are no stairs in Korea. That's the thing. That's there's sad. No that's just, true. Yeah, there, well, there's no, like for us, we'd have a middle floor. There's just mm-hmm, the basement right. and the upstairs. But, Praise the Lord. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. So, and we, we, and that's right. So it's not a direct comparison for us as Americans because, you know, we live on the middle floor, actually, not the stairs, and we get to go up mm-hmm. and down and back and forth. Mm-hmm. But what I loved about it was there were no villains in this film. You don't think there are any villains in this film? I don't think there are any villains in this film. I think we empathize. Mm. I think at different times they become quite frightening and they do some frightful things, but you have, you don't see any of them as villains. Well, I think there's depraved. There's some depraved actions that take place from a place of emptiness, in my opinion. But that's my, that's my view. There's, there's, there's a reactionary actions without giving it away that seem to come from a place of emptiness, you know, as a solution. And that to me is where I think you see hell. I think you see a place of hell where there's no God. Um, well, there's definitely, material. there's definitely it's no a, God there, right? There's definitely there's no God upstairs and downstairs. There's no God in Korea. At least my experience with Koreans, not to paint with a broad brush, but I'm going to paint with a broad brush. They're a very, uh, the culture is really infused with Christianity. It and, is. And I can't it imagine really anybody from South Korea, whether they think of themselves as a Christian or not. I was just talking to a, an atheist friend of mine who was raised Christian, and we were talking mm. about the hidden life. And I, and I said, listen, without the Holy Spirit, you'll never have the power to deny the gods of the city. Without your Christian mm-hmm. formation, you'll never be able to see um, where the city is wrong and you'll always conform to the city. And she goes, well, I'm That's an atheist. Right. I hope I wouldn't. And I said, you might not, but only because of your Christian formation. So when, right. when I was looking at this film, I thought in, a, in a, almost like you got to see these people through the eyes of God. I didn't pick a team. Did you pick a team? I didn't pick a team either. I think that's a really interesting point that you're making right now because I didn't, I wasn't unsympathetic to either family in this, uh, the, the upstairs family or the downstairs family. But you saw, you saw the lack and the depravity of all of them. You saw what was missing. And I think what's missing is, is Christ, is God, is something from above. Everything is vanity. Everything is material. Everything is monetary and survival. But, but from their own hands, and they, not from the hands of the Lord. Well, you know, maybe this is, I'm going to research the writer because it's almost, I'm not going to say it was hell, but it's almost as if it's somebody who is a fallen away Christian looking at the world where they hmm. really value the human person. And it's are, a post-Christian society. It's a post-Christian view of the sorrowness of life. Mm-hmm. Like you can't mm-hmm. forget what Christianity said about the human person. Right. But, and I, And yet, Having been to Korea and experienced the culture, I was saturated not just in a in a Catholic Christian culture, but the evangelical Christian culture. So it was really shocking to me and jarring to me to see a picture made by Koreans that exposed this type of a plot that was void of anything having to do with faith, but was really a, a point of view strictly from the worldview. And I thought that was really fascinating. But I've been told that that's what's coming and uh, in, in evolving in Korea. It is it has really changed from this patriarchal, Christ-centered um, society 
antiquated in some minds to this more of a feminist, far-reaching, you know, Western civilization. So it's interesting to see a film like that depicted from Koreans. Yeah, no, well, how about this? The first two movies we picked, they're not written or directed by Americans. The first, well, uh, is written and directed by a Maori, who's half Jewish, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now a Korean film. And, right. uh, and, then, and what I love about that is an American could have never made Parasite. And nobody no. in the world could have made Jojo Rabbit, but Taiko Atiti. A friend of mine said to me today, who's an artist, I texted her, I lamented, I wish I could be an artist. I'm an aspiring writer. <laughs> and she said, well, you are a published author. I said, well, who isn't? She goes, well, well, when would you consider yourself a writer? And I'm like, I would consider myself a writer when I've written something that nobody else in the world nobody else. could have written. If I can understand yeah. the truth and then share that truth um, that no one else has that. ever understood or shared. When I do I that, that then I'm a writer. Until then, I'm a propagandist, a synthesizer. <laughs> I don't know. And I mean that in the best so sense of the word. So what did you think of that end at Parasite? Were you expecting the last 20 minutes of that movie to be what it was? Yeah, no. No, that's when I was like, ah. But that's when I realized it wasn't hell because I'm like, this is hell. And when I realized it wasn't hell is when I loved everyone there. I didn't hate them. I didn't judge them. And I was actually emotionally invested. So, guys, there's actually three families, not to give too much away. And mm, there are three families, yeah. You're, mm-hmm. I'm emotionally in, in, invested in all three of them. And I don't want any of them. And I was like, this is how God sees us. God loves us all the same. God loves the people upstairs, downstairs. He loves all of us. And then when we hurt each other, it breaks his heart. And so I think that's that's a fantastic perspective of that. I, of course, watched that whole ending in utter judgment. But you're looking at it from the eyes of the father. I think that's amazing. But don't you think it did that, though? Because I was. It did trigger something. You're like, why did you do that? What happened? What's going on? This is chaos. But, but yeah, it, they just, it, everything kind of turned in on each other. And I think that's what happens without God at the center. We turn in on each other, you know, and I, I, that, that was my takeaway, you know, um, you know, without, without a father, without, you know, Christ, without God, you know, like we have the capacity to be. Um, you know, completely out of control and turn it on each other without getting into what happens at the end. It's a complete twist. No one will expect it. Um, see it and report back to us. Yeah, <laughs> report, report back. back. To the Guys, you have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing it. This film is so complex, so unique. Both these, these, by the way, they're kind of hard yeah. to talk about without taking away the magic. And so I don't want to do that. Um, yeah, exactly. But I will say this. If you, if you don't come away, like, just loving everyone in this film and being heartbroken... And they open, the film opens with this family that's very poor. And they're very happy. and, it, and They then, are happy with and, their little nothings, right? With their little nothings. And it's when they aspired for more and they didn't do it in an honest way that literally all hell breaks it. loose. It reminded me of uh, the other film that was just, I'm going to throw in another film, but I, you guys shouldn't watch it unless you're, you know, really pumped up on dopamine and very happy in the midst of all this. <laughs> is, if you're if you're not sheltering in place, yeah, like if you're managing a cannabis dispensary and you're eating all your product and you're like, oh, I'm happy, <laughs> I am eating all, and of I the need to be knocked back. off my high horse a bit. Uncut gems, and <laughs> have you seen Uncut Gems? 
No, I no. Should okay, I Adam Sandler. Should I wait till we're almost out of quarantine. I think you should wait till you're like I'm so happy and I'm in such a good mood. This isn't mm. right, and I need to be knocked down a few pegs because it's one of these <laughs> movies that just you walk out of the theater, and 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 or you know who else should watch it? If you're like, if you're listening and you are, if this describes you, if you're a materialistic, selfish, cruel, rotten human being ungrateful to the core and are willing to smash everyone who loves you. Uh, wow. Yeah. And crush and ignore and neglect everyone who loves you. How did I miss uncut gem? And you want to see how tragic you are. Mm. Go see uncut gems because again though, but Adam Sandler makes the most rotten human being who's ever lived, you root for him and you have empathy for him. And it's mm. really, and I think the Academy totally uh, shoulder checked it, right? Totally ignored it. I saw pictures. I saw a review that said it's so stressful it's become a panic attack. Like, so maybe we shouldn't see that during the No, yeah, exactly. No, you will. My daughter was like, I went and saw it with my 28-year-old daughter. She was like, what was that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You, Did she see Parasite as well? No, I have to force them all to see that. Because, mm -hmm. again, it's one of those films where you have to kind of work yourself up to go see. Yeah. So, Case of Red Bulls, or they're set free out of the quarantine. All right, tell us, about hidden, tell us about Hidden Life. Yeah, it's on both of oh our lists. Goodness, a Hidden Life. Okay, raise your hand if you saw a Hidden Life. Okay, yeah, nobody saw that because there was not a lot of hype. Um, Terrence Malick. True you sound story. somebody who's uh, who's who's a little bitter. You weren't hired to market that film. I wasn't hired to market that. Film. I don't think anybody was hired to no, market that I know. film. How about I, that? I have. I was. In, I was in the running to be hired for a Tree of Life, and oh, and, and I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I was very bitter. But I'm over. Wow. It. I'm over it now. I literally think that A Hidden Life is one of the best films I've seen in ten years. Terrence Malick. Um, Terrence Malick, um, it's a true story of um, a blessed, blessed Franz. I cannot pronounce his last name. Uh, and it, it takes place, um, you know, during the Nazi occupation in Austria. Um, Franz is married, uh, young, you know, married life. They have, they have a uh, a few kids and he was a playboy. I did a little studying on him. So he's a blessed in the Catholic church. He's, which means he's on the way to sainthood and it's their life set apart on a farm, a truly hidden life, a simple life, a beautiful family picture, by the way, three hours long. Um, everybody said, Oh, you need like six red balls to stay awake. No, no which, it is. Which for Terrence Malick is a short film. Exactly. Exactly. And it's an amazing, um, it's a, it, it really, it's a moral conflict. Um, you know, Franz is, he was a soldier and he's going to be called to, uh, into the Nazi, you know, Nazi army. And he cannot, he cannot go against his Catholic faith. Um, and so he's very prayerfully going about his business. Things are escalating. Um, the town is circling him, the, you know, the local, government and it's small it's not like it's a big this is you know a tiny tiny little area in austria they have a very beautiful existence where they are you know they're milking the cows they're gathering you know they're 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 the hay they're bailing the hay and the animals and 
it is the most beautiful life of discipline, of love, of passion, romance. You can see and feel the passion and the romance between this husband and wife and the tension between what they suspect and what they know. He has a vision. Um, he kind of sees, you know, without a total spoiler alert, but he sees his destiny of um, where he's headed and the sacrifice of love, which is um, all for Jesus. And he has to sacrifice for his family. And I won't tell you the whole thing. You can imagine uh, where it goes, but it, it is beautiful. It's like you literally drinking in this movie. You're drinking in the landscape. You feel like you are literally milking the cows. You are you're in this glorious, all of, when they say like heaven and nature sing, I feel like um, you're experiencing the glory of create God's creation. And they are living what seems like a utopia of God's divine will until this evil comes and encroaches. But in the face of that evil, living the cross with Christ, it's just beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. It's heroic virtue. The marriage piece is beautiful. Oh, stop me. You know, and and then and the evil erupts out of the blue, and yeah, he's given he's given every attempt to um, to escape co- the consequences of his uh, of his convictions. Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm, I what, mm-hmm. what resonated with me as somebody who's worked doing human rights work around the world, oftentimes in some of my projects, I have what he has gone through where. Everyone, one after another, people approach you and tell you not to do it and why you shouldn't do it. The betrayal. It's a tremendous betrayal in this film, and I think it's portrayed very, very well. Subtle. It's not always like some dramatic thing, you know. But but is it Um, betrayal or is it... um... A temptation to take the, 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 the wider path instead of the narrow road? I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of things. I well, mean, it's that they church, actually loved him, church. right? Like the bishop loved him, his priest loved him. The only one who let him be who he is, with, you know, is his wife. No, with, with the, his wife. And with the wife who had the most to lose. And that's what right. we realize. Uh, so, yeah. guys, so he refuses to just say the loyalty oath to Hitler. He's even willing to, I think, serve in the military as a, a medic. He just he goes, he goes in, but he refuses to, yeah, he refuses to go through the actions of worshiping Hitler. You know, he's just not going to do it. And he's imprisoned. And, and it also depicts how he lived his witness in the prison, which yes. is tremendous. And it does it shows that he's not without fear. This is a man that's not totally without fear. He's not Teflon, but he goes through the fire of that fear to to his end, to, now, did, to what God's calling him to do. Well, and if, and if you guys, if you're listening and you haven't watched Terrence Malick films, you have to. You have to. And... They might be challenging. My three favorite uh, Terrence, Malick, uh, Terrence Malick films are Days of Heaven, uh, The Tree mm-hmm. of Life. Uh, um, what was the one right at? To the Wonder and A Hidden Life. To, mm-hmm. to the Wonder and The Tree of Life, to me, they're like pieces of a puzzle that belong together. But his films are beautiful, and they're not easy. So it's not going to be something that you're, you're going to have to say. You're going to have to watch mm-hmm. it. But it's almost like an initiation or an exemplification. And uh, in the hidden life, it's just radical solidarity. You know, my favorite mm. um, part of the film is because Terrence Malick, I'm always YouTubing, trying to hear interviews with him or find things that he said or things that he's written. He's, he is notoriously shy or at least hard to, you know, he's not out there, although he's one of the most mm. respected directors. He's- 
Yeah, he 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 stays back in the background. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually, I'll tell you this later. I had a conversation with him. It's unbelievable. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but let me. I want to get this point out. I'll tell you about my conversation with Terrence Malick. So, um, but my favorite part was when Franz was in the church when there was an artist fixing the icons. Do you remember that? Oh, I love that one too. Yeah. That's yeah. Terrence yeah. Malick speaking. Yeah. That's yeah. literally That's Terrence beautiful. Malick's confession. Mm-hmm. Terrence Malick. Mm-hmm. He says he's, uh, Franz says how admirable and how beautiful. It's literally Terrence Malick and Franz having a conversation. Right, and, right. And his, Fr- Franz is saying. His heart. Yeah, Franz is saying to the artist, who really is Terrence Malick, how, how beautiful are, you know, are these works of art, these icons, these paintings, this church. And he said, you know, we make these images to inspire people to be saints. But all we really do is make admirers of the saints. Mm. He said, I hope one day to make a work of art that produces saints, not just admirers of saints. Mm-hmm. And, well, who did that? That That's Franz. Franz mm-hmm. was an artist, an artist mm-hmm. of love, that his life painted a portrait that will inspire others to be saints. Terrence, That's right. Terrence Malick is the iconographer, but that mm-hmm. image embedded in that icon is Franz. And right. that's who inspires us. And of course, Terrence Malick. And God is the ultimate artist. I mean, he's, that's, yes. what, that's really the essence of all this, right? It's, it's so beautiful. It's, it's so beautiful. That was really a turning point in the film, too. He, he's, he's meditating, he's praying, he's looking, he's searching. Like, he knows the answer. But he keeps moving into it, and he goes forward with what the hard, narrow road. So you have to. I saw. I saw. I. You guys, you have to watch this film. I saw it three times opening week because I knew it would be the last Mm -hmm. week. So I went three times, and each time it was an empty theater. Was your theater empty? No, my theater was about half full, which was shocking. But it wasn't playing at any of the major chains. I had to go to some private little, tiny little theater. But it was pretty, you know, a surprise for how many people were there at the time. Um, but it's L.A., but so you have film buffs. It's L.A. It, that's true. It's L.A. But I had to tell people I was so, like, over undone by this film that I, I, like, the next day I was calling everybody, you have to see this, you have to see this, you have to see it now, and you have to see it on the big screen because the impact of the cinematography. And nobody heard of it. Like, everybody that I talked to, from, like, these regular people to movie people, nobody had heard of it which was the greatest tragedy of all with this movie that it was, I mean, a hidden life. And then the movie was hidden. People even in so, our tribe, um, like people in our tribe, like well-known people Catholics in our tribe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was so unbelievable. I'm still telling everybody about it. It's phenomenal. You might need to see it twice because there's so many layers in there. Um, it's an incredible film. I mean, there's so many elements about your personal witness and then the marriage piece, the romance piece, just all of it. It's just gorgeous film. Well, yeah, so you want to hear about my time I got to talk to him on the phone? Yeah, I want to know about that. How did that happen? Okay, so Steve McAvity, a good friend of mine, producer of The Passion sure. of the Christ, Braveheart. Yeah. Yada, yada, name drop. And uh, <laughs> It's so, the Jason Jones show. You it's the drop Jason Jones show. So Steve is a, a good friend of mine. And um, I said, Steve, I got to get on. He told me, oh, I'm friends with Terrence Malick. And I said, you got to get me on the phone with him. I want to help with this film. I think they're making a terrible mistake mm-hmm. in how they're marketing it. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, they're marketing it as a Unitarian film. They're marketing it as all things to all people. 
when they should be marketing it to each tribe as their film. The Tree of Life is a very Jewish film. The Tree of mm-hmm. Life is a very um, secular film. And I'm not going to get, I can do a whole show on The Tree of Life. The Tree of Life is a very Christian film. It is, it is. To each tribe, it could be their film because it, it right. cleverly looks at two worldviews at the same time. And you bring your will, however you saw that film, it's like you have glasses on when you walked into that theater. And if you were a theist, you saw one film. If you were an atheist, mm-hmm. you saw another film. So you got to market to each tribe as if this is your film. And it's a very Jewish film as well. I said, but instead you're getting all these religious leaders together and you're saying this is a film that's sort of broad. And no, you should have told each tribe this is your film. And they would have looked mm-hmm. at it and go, whoa, and you couldn't have explained it to them. And then Steve said something that was brilliant. Steve said, yeah, you know, when I saw it, what I thought was that the tree of life is to the first person of the Trinity what the passion of the Christ was to the second. Whoa. Whoa, right? That's, wow. Right? Drop it like it's hot. Boom. That's amazing. Now, Boom. now when you, I tell that to people before they go watch it, they're like, I'm so glad you told me that. I haven't seen the tree of life yet. I haven't oh, seen it. I have, now now I'm like, now I'm unfriending you from Facebook. Hold on. I'm unfriending Brad you. Pitt, I, I'll, you know, Brad Pitt will reel me in. I'm I, making um, room on my friend list. I'm, I've just unfriended you. <laughs> my blocks as well. I'm, I haven't blocked you. Blocked in the time of Corona. This I've is blocked horrible. You. Okay. So <laughs> you've, you've turned me on. It's a very dark movie though. Like I don't, you know, I, I like, I it's like not dark I mean, at all like if you're a theist. It's not dark at all. Okay. It all right. ends with the all resurrection. Right. All right, I'm, I'm in. I'm the in. movie's I'll a prayer. It. Let's just say this. The Tree of Life is not a movie. Oh, it's really a prayer. That's beautiful. This film takes place over all of human history from the beginning of time to the end of time. And it's seen mm-hmm. through the lens of one family suffering. But it's a meditation on the problem of suffering. And how could there be an all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God in a world with so much suffering? And it looks at all of human history, all of the history of the cosmos. This film literally is all of the history of the cosmos. That's how I feel about Manchester by the Sea, which everybody hates, by the way. And which movie is that? Depressive. Manchester by the Sea. I've never Have you seen, seen Manchester no. by the Sea? Casey mm-hmm. Affleck? Oh, Not. now I challenge you to see that because that's a beautiful movie on suffering as well. So we want to get into it. These are little Dolly Downer movies, though, for quarantine. So let's you end. Know, okay, so let's end. Okay, let's end with Joe Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> or return to me. Return oh, return to me. me. Okay, so we're coming back yeah. to return to me. Yeah, so let's end with return to me. Okay, so we started with return to me. We'll end with return to Super me. Super charming. Oh, that was a little Boston accent for you. You are from Boston. You know, thanks to you, I have like a gaggle of friends from Boston now. I've expanded your horizon. Thanks to you, like I'm big in Massachusetts now. You're big in Boston now, yeah. Mother Olga puts us on the group text now. Yeah, I'm we're, you, <laughs> We're friends with Mother Olga, who's an, an Assyrian Christian, who's be, uh, a Catholic mother superior. And um, she's like the Mother Teresa of Iraq. She is the Mother Teresa of Iraq. And we're on group texts with her. And it's just fascinating to, you know, Alexis, one, and this is so, by the way, have you ever listened to an episode of the Jason Jones show? Tell the truth. Of course I have. You give me my little assignment. I can look like, at your you IP address if you look. So, you know, the purpose <laughs> of the show is I want to find my tribe. Like, you know, the f- people we're friends with um, from like just all across the world. We have the same, this beautiful little tribe 
our posse. Our posse. And we're in every corner of the world. We're in every town in America. I want a place that where we can all talk every week. And I, I want to find that voice that allows me to attract those folks. You know, it'll be a bumpy ride. It took ride, me I'm two sure. years to get on the Jason Jones show. When did this thing launch? It took me two yeah, years. Yeah, but the Jason like... Jones show has just become a real show, actually, because of you, because we got oh, picked up beautiful. by a legit podcast company that's dropping soon. There'll be some big news. Yeah. Yeah, you made it happen. <laughs> so now I'm on a legit podcast company, and uh, we're getting ready to roll out in a big, big way. So, uh, I love it. so this is all, you know, it was something I was doing with my friend as a way to just another way to talk to people and share my friends with the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then now it's becoming, uh, it's going to become a very big thing because I have a podcast company behind me and producers and advertising dollars and sales dollars. And this is all going to, all the big news is coming soon. And that's you know really, what I think, I think podcasts, in the time of quarantine are going to be like big time. I mean, look, everybody's calendar just got wiped out. So like everybody's talking, everybody's, everybody's good time to mic up with you, you know? Yeah. Well, and I want to find our tribe. I don't know if our tribe is like a thousand people, although we have a lot more listeners than that now, or if it's It's 20 20 million people, you know, and what, what, what my tribe is really what I look at at the end and my closest friends are Jewish or Muslim or Christian or, uh, all mm-hmm. types of Christians, uh, except I don't have any Jehovah's Witness friends. So if you're a Jehovah's Witness, email me and be my friend so I can say, you know. <laughs> I have oh LDS friends. I, I have Mennonite friends. I don't have a Jehovah's Witness. I friend. have LDS friends as well. Yeah. Some of my best friends are LDS. Sure. So can I tell Mormon jokes? Yeah. Or, uh, I don't know any Mormon jokes. Do you know Mormon jokes? I don't know any Mormon jokes either. <laughs> no, I know a Jehovah's Witness joke, though. Can I tell it to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. Okay. I'm down. Which probably, no, it, it couldn't be a Mormon joke. It ha- so what do you get when you cross a Jehovah's Witness with uh-uh. a Unitarian? Bum, bum. Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. Somebody who knocks on your door for no reason at all. Oh, my goodness. That's hilarious. That's fun, right? That's hilarious. It's not a hurtful oh joke. Oh, my gosh. That's kind of a I, Nobody's going to be knocking on any doors in the next couple of months, though. So they, they're going to be sitting down, all the Jehovah's. That's true. So guys, true, so true. so let's just end on. Ret- I don't even know what to say about that movie because it's just <laughs> it's a must charming. It's That's charming. the only word I have. It's charming. It's hilarious. Too. It is funny. Hilarious. I, some of my favorite scenes have to do with the ensemble cast. You know, the family scenes. I mean, look, everybody's like in a human crush of humanity and inside your own house on lockdown. So it actually is the sweetest little um, movie that really double clicks on what family life is all about. Sometimes zany and sometimes just over the top loving and hilarious, you know, these hilarious moments with the dad and the, the uncles and, and the friends. Um, just, we all have those family members in our, in our lives. So I think we could all relate to it. It's just the sweetest love story. And it's set, um, is that set in, where is it set in Boston? It's in Chicago. Oh, it's in Your Chicago. Town. That's right. It's in my town. So many drivers, a dad and her friends, his friends, they're just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the type of friends you and I have. A lot of people don't have maybe, but in those mm-hmm. times, it's True. one of those films I spend 20, not depending on the year between 20 and 50% of my life alone. And you are the same way, right? We spend a lot of our life alone mm-hmm. on yeah. planes in hotels, uh, Totally. you know, and so a large percentage of our life is alone. And so I think, that's one of the reasons uh, that film has resonated with me because it's just a type of film that takes away your loneliness. 
you know? Yeah, it's a sweet movie. And it, like, it just reminds me of, like, sometimes you could think, like, I have this, like, when my grandmother was alive and her sisters, you know, they're like the female version of the guys in the Return to Me movie. Like, they're all, like, sitting around a table, totally up in your business, you know? Like, <laughs> and, and your greatest cheerleaders, you know, like, totally, like, looking through the window. I mean, you know, it's just so many cute things about this movie that, that make the simple things in life just, you know, adorable. And, of course, there's some Rome, Italy in there, and there's some faith in there, and Bonnie Hunt with her classic humor. Jim Belushi is off the rails. I mean, there's, I think everybody... Every time Jim Belushi is in a film, it. it's like a surprise. It's like this it beautiful surprise, surprise. Yeah. and he always kills it, too. Yeah, it's like Jim he kills it. And he always kills You're never like, ah, oh, he messed that up. He, whenever he's right. in a film, he, he just kills it. But, by the way, another it's film hilarious. that you, we already brought up was Casablanca. And maybe we'll end on Casablanca because we both love it. Because that's another film I've watched, according to my iTunes, 123 times mm. on my laptop. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. So That is a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those films, and I don't know why, but when I travel and I'm in my hotel room alone and I'm in some small town in Iowa or – you know, some airport or some international flight. I will watch that film. Mm. And I don't know why, but it's like Return to Me. It just, it's like comforting. But then when I was yeah. when I was thinking about A Hidden Life, it strangely dawned on me that A Hidden Life and Casablanca are the same movie. Oh, wow. That's a very interesting concept. Think about that. We'll just Think end on about that. that. Think about Let's that. Let's just end on that. We're going to end on that. And what... Alexis, any movies you're, let's end on what movies are you working on? What movies should we look forward to soon? Yeah. Sure gonna be, are they I'm all being pushed on, back? Yeah, everything's, everything's shut down in Hollywood right now. So Fatima, the movie, um, which is oh, beautiful. And we started like this really aggressive campaign. We were opening April 24th. Um, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have a new release date. We're still kind of in the throes of looking at, is it going to be August or September? Um, the good news is the movie has been endorsed by the Shrine in Portugal. Um, it tells the story of Our Lady of Fatima, the Blessed Virgin Mary, appearing to three children um, in Fatima, Portugal. Um, in the message of peace and prayer, the rosary, it's a beautiful depiction of the story that many of us in Catholicism know that the whole world would be able to experience the miracle on the big screen. And it's been profound, just a few screenings that we've done so far, um, theatrical screenings before everything got shut down with Corona. Um, it has been a home run. Andrea Bocelli has some music in it. So it's, it's very beautiful. And we are thrilled about that one. And then another movie, which is a doc, um, which is coming in October, is Pray, the story of uh, Father Patrick Payton. And that's a family theater production. We were talking about our good friend, Tony Sands. Um, he's a producer on that movie, as is Megan Harrington, our other friend in our tribe. Um, beautiful documentary, Megan. It's like a home run. Um, it's not a typical documentary where you just feel like it's totally historical. You feel literally wrapped in the story. You feel like Father Peyton is literally talking to you. And the miracles that are depicted through the testimonies and through the witnesses of his life are so edifying and so powerful. And the preaching, the selections that Megan, you know, so thoughtfully sprinkled throughout this piece are so relevant for right now. It is as though it's 
anyone who's watching it is being literally catechized and visited by Father Peyton and things that you don't know about him. So that's going to be profound in October. That'll be a limited release, but ultimately everyone will get to see it somewhere somehow. Well, you know, Movie to Movement, which sponsors this show, and uh, I'm the president and founder of, we'll do everything we can to make sure people see those films. Family Theater awesome. has been a, always been a blessing to me. It's been a blessing to people in Hollywood. What year did it open up? Well, Father Peyton was the, um, the national director. So, I mean, let's see when Family Theater opened. Um, I don't know the year, but it's like the heyday of, you know, Fulton Sheen, Father Peyton, Father Bud Kaiser, um, old Hollywood. Didn't, didn't George you know, he, Lucas he used to volunteer there? Was it Spielberg or Lucas? Um, I'm not sure. 1947. So it was either so George been... Lucas or Spielberg that, that would volunteer there and use this equipment, use the equipment for their student films. I forget which guy. They were wrapped with so many celebs. Yeah. Um, Lucille Ball, Jim Caviezel, a contemporary figure. You know, he has a big story with Father Peyton where he was on the way to a strip club and then en- ends up seeing the family that prays together, stays together on a billboard, knocks on the Who door. Did? Jim Caviezel. Was going to a strip and club? He, he tells the story that he was on the way, you know, on Sunset Boulevard, you know, into the worldly stuff. And then he sees a billboard. Um, Father Willie tells the story and he tells it with permission because Jim's out, been out there talking about it. He sees the billboard, the family that prays together stays together. He knocks on the door. Elderly Father Peyton answers the door. And he asked if he would hear his confession. He said, I haven't been a very good Catholic. Would you hear my confession? And Father Peyton proceeds to hear his confession. It was very hard on him. This is before he died. And he, this is before Passion of the Christ. And he tells him that, you know, I'm, I'm obviously summarizing, but he basically says, you know, you can go the way of the Lord or you can go the way of the world. And if you go the way of the Lord, you can have a big destiny. So, um, he that's amazing he, yeah he goes well, what, on to have the passion of the christ well, yep. well yep. here's another part to that story i know that um i'm getting a phone call it's not supposed to happen so something else that uh another funny story jim caviezel called father willie have you heard the story oh. he disguised yeah. his voice and said he owned the strip <laughs> club across the way oh my god and that he would bring him five million dollars in cash if he took down that rosary billboard oh my god and then, and then, like Father Willie said, no. And Jim's like, I'll give you ten million. He goes, and he goes, no. He goes, you drive oh a hard bar. And he's like, he's like, what's the price? And Father <laughs> Father Willie said that you know, there's not not all the money in the world. Um, will I take Father that? Father Willie's an awesome priest. What down. an awesome priest he is. And yeah, you hear Father Willie tell the story, and you, you can just hear Jim Caviezel. You know, he's great with impressions. And sure. uh, what a funny story! What a great, yeah, what a great apostolate. That. Yeah. yeah, it's a great apostolate. They really reach a lot of people, and this movie will have the, the ability to really bring Father Peyton to millions of new people. Uh, his rosary rallies, uh, I mean, he literally brought down communism in the countries where he uh, was able to speak, and he had his own miraculous healing. He had tuberculosis, and a priest prayed over him, and it was through the Blessed Mother's intercession. He had a total miraculous healing, and he knew the power of Our Lady, and from, then, uh, from that moment, he that was all he cared about, was really proclaiming um jesus and the power of of his mother mary through the rosary and devotion to her so we're kind of living in a unique time with the fatima movie uh and the message of fatima and then pray the story of patrick payton and family life look at the families with this corona situation we're hemmed in we are hemmed in with people that we may not be used to being with all the time and 
prayer is erupting and Father Peyton's at work, you know, behind the scenes, making it happen. And Our Lady is, is doing the same. So, And when you're hemmed in with people and it's awkward, the best way to make it not awkward is all look at a screen together. So we've given you a bunch of movies. So we're helping we, you out. We're helping you out. Like, wow, this is awkward. I haven't been around you this much, Dad. Yeah, watch the screen. We're watching Jojo Rabbit. Okay, guys. Yeah. Alexis Walkenstein, you are a great friend, and it's just been a, a privilege Love to share you. you with all of my friends on the Jason Jones oh, Show. Oh, you're the best. And, you know, Love we got listeners show. all over the world. It's my favorite thing to do is look at all the downloads across the world. And um, week after week, show after show, um, people in Afghanistan, in Yemen, in uh, Saudi Arabia, all across Europe, and, and in all 50 states. And I'm thinking, what an interesting uh, tribe we're knitting together here around the Jason Jones Show. And now I got to share you with them. So thank you. I Alexis. love it. Well, thanks for this fun conversation. Let's do it again. Right on. Well, everybody, this has been another episode of the Jason Jones Show. We are doing a show a day uh, as we get through this corona crisis together. And um, in the coming days, we're going to be having proponents or advocates of these weird conspiracy theories. And I'm going to have give them an opportunity to explain their conspiracy. And then I'm going to ask them questions because I'm hearing the strangest things. And it is normal when we don't have all the facts to try to fill in those missing pieces and we can knit together some pretty odd conspiracies. What's interesting is all of my friends that have conspiracies, it fits their narrative. If they're on the political left, Trump's the bad guy. If they're on the political right, it's George Soros and Bill Gates. And um, But the dots don't seem to really connect for me, but maybe I am missing something because definitely something very strange is happening in the world. This is the most Orwellian moment in world history. I think the, the one thing that we can do as we go through all of this is make sure we still look at everybody as the most beautiful created thing in the cosmos with an incomparable dignity, beauty, and worth. And always recognize that there is a law above the laws of man. There is a law above opinion. There is a law above custom. There is a law above Facebook and Twitter censors and we must remember that it is our duty to always be thoughtful to those who are vulnerable and to the best of our ability, help them shoulder some of their burden. Until next time, this has been the Jason Jones Show. Aloha. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Mudhouse Media.